Hey, it's Kalen May, uh, also known as Bucks, and it seems to be that I keep hijacking uh, the Gaming Historia podcast because I'm back hosting again. Um, this time, I'm here with Alex Applin. Hello. This is my first podcast. So, hi, everybody. I'm the editor-in-chief <laughs> of GamingHistoria.com. If you haven't checked us out already, please go do that. Um, yeah. So we're here to talk about stuff. Yeah, yeah, share it with all your friends. Yeah, share it with all your friends and see... Uh, just see if you can overload the servers with, like, just getting all your friends to visit all at once. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll probably, we'll probably crap <laughs> yeah, yeah, our pants yeah. for a second once we realize the site's crashed. But <laughs> after that, we'll be pretty damn happy. <laughs> oh, oh no no I, I just want to see Gravel's reaction just. oh yeah <laughs> anyway so today we're here to talk about VR uh, which I guess we're kind of late on the boat in a way because we're coming in after the big like hoo-ha and like big moment of holy Christ what is this new technology mm-hmm. um, but I think it kind of gives helps us give a better perspective of what is the future of the industry so we're going to be talking about that and i think a perfect starting point is if we talk about what vr is because i think it's one of those uh devices where people have a rough grasp but it's like genre names it's like if i said uh uncharted 4 it's an action game you kind of know what it means, but yeah. if I said what defines an action game, it's like, it's hard. So virtual reality basically boils down to having a peripheral that embeds you in the action. So it's um, especially in the form of making it so your perception in front of your eyes is from a character's viewpoint. And this differs from just looking on a TV screen because as you move your head left and right and up and down and all around, you also adjust the camera in the game setting. So it is as though you are embedded in the virtual world. Yes. And this is different from all... Sorry. <laughs> it's a lot like if, you, if you're if you not familiar with VR. It's... Um, you've seen it all the time. Ready Player One. There's... All kinds of mm. other sci- science fiction things that have had virtual reality peripheral concepts to them. I mean, mm. Star Trek, I'm pretty sure, has covered something similar at some point. Um, I'd be surprised if it didn't, honestly. Um, and in fact, speaking of sci-fi... Um, is the next thing, augmented reality. And this is a common thing that crops up in sci-fi. Like, for instance, Blade Runner actually uses this to some extent. Where, yeah, because when... uh, What was it? The St. Kampf test. Where... Mm, I'm not familiar. They're examining... Okay, so it's like... If they're trying to work out if someone's an android or not, they're asked some questions and look for movements in the eyes. And what augmented reality is, at its most fundamental layer, is a computer overlay on top of reality. So, I mean, 
If you really want to twist things, you can even argue that a digital camera is a version of augmented reality. Because when I use my digital camera, I've got like a 3 by 3 grid system to help position the cam, the photography well. I mean, I don't know if it actually helps me, but it's there. And that does augment reality by showing me uh, the best way to point the camera um, and position what's going on beyond the camera so it looks good. <clears throat> but in this setting, in the video game setting, we are talking about things like um Pokemon Go was it? Yeah. You've got yeah, like Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Um the new they have a Harry Potter one that just came out. The name escapes me at the moment. Um mm. there's other contemporary, you know, options that not aren't Bravely necessarily default. gaming related <clears throat> like Google Class. Um yeah. trying to think. Yeah, like Google Glass uses it. The 3DS have used it a bit in the form of things like uh, Bravely Default, where right. cutscenes will happen on top of like your desktop, so you just see what's happening there. Um, and this, uh, and then the more extreme end, I guess, of like video games and reality is alternative reality the difference being that they don't use peripherals to achieve a blending of reality with video games but rather a believability as though the events that you're taking part in is actually happening um one example is frog fractions where it is like a blending of what is going on uh, probably an even better example personally is the Black Watchmen where it is what's considered the first uh, video game that you can actually buy that is entirely alternative reality where you're accessing websites you're I mean the part that I actually got nervous and chickened out I admit was when uh, um they asked you to analyze a website and work out a way to deceive um, someone and try to work, get information like their someone's password details by sending them an email using your actual email address. Oh my god! To something, and you've got to create the message in such a way that you would. Um, social engineer uh you're a way to get the password or something like that and it was that moment of oh christ this is actually getting a bit too real for me yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that is another way where reality and video games have blurred and vr's objective is that as well so i thought it was important to bring that up now now we got that out of the way, let's talk about our contenders. So we've got uh, the HTC Vive and the uh, Oculus Rift. Those are the two main ones for the PC. Then you've got the PSVR, which are really popular. Which, it's a whole... 
other animal in and of itself because it's connected to the PS4. So it's a peripheral, essentially for a PS4 set of titles. Hmm. Yeah. It's like exclusive on the PS4 and nothing else can touch the PS4 except PSVR. Uh, you also have um, the Samsung Gear, where you put your fo- mobile phone in it. Uh, there's a few others like that, like cardboard ones. Um, and there's even ones that have yet to be released, like Star VR. And what is have been an ongoing concern for a lot of people is really the price. Like... I mean, back in its heyday, I do vaguely remember VR headsets being like a thousand quid. Yeah. A ridiculous amount. When they began, they were incredibly expensive. The prices have gone down. PSVR has really done a lot to make VR more affordable. Um, But it's a concern for people because... Is this a technology that's going to stick around a while? Or is it going to go the way of the 3D model, where we saw 3D TVs everywhere for a year, and now nobody really cares about 3D anymore? Yeah, and I think that um, in another similar way, the 3DS definitely saw that, where... Everyone got really excited about the 3D capabilities of being able to play games in a three-dimensional <clears> way. <throat> and then they realized that, actually, this is more hindering gameplay than actually looking oh, good. Yeah. So I, and It even makes me feel ill. I can do mm. all kinds of stuff in games normally, but if you turn the 3D on, it just gives me a headache, makes me nauseous. I just can't do it. So it's a legitimate concern. Yeah. Um, But we'll get back to illness because I think there's a lot to play with illness in terms of uh, VR because I'm really curious about these prices Mm -hmm. and because I do remember them being about a thousand and now um, I admit I'm using UK pricing because I'm one of those filthy individuals from the old world. Um, who still uses the Great British Pound. <laughs> and <clears throat> the PSVR is £200, uh, which is pretty... For VR, that's pretty cheap which now. Which is 299 um, USD, by the way. Yep. There is the... Um, Oculus, which is £400. They're releasing a new model soon-ish, I believe. Weirdly enough, it's the same in USD, which I'm not sure how that works. I don't know. Um, I got quoted £400. Although they were talking about a new version without having to be hooked up to a PC, so I think it seems like they're going more uh, a direction... Um, similar to like the uh, Samsung Gear where you don't need to use it. Mm-hmm. The most expensive contender is the HTC Vive. There is the normal version which is £599. And it's uh, 499 USD right now. 
Yeah, I mean the weird thing is, is right now it's actually on sale and is actually four hundred and ninety nine, but um, usually it's five hundred ninety nine, and then the HTC Pro is seven hundred ninety nine pounds. So goodness, I don't know how the difference between the Vive and Pro. Admit, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but I mean, there's that option. There's also the Samsung Gear, the V2, the VR2 is twenty six ninety nine. The VR twenty seventeen is a hundred and nineteen. I don't. I I'm gonna confess. I don't know the difference between the V2 and VR twenty seventeen. It like. I mean, I can look on the Amazon page and read about how um, how one is different to the other because, of course, in X and Y sort of <laughs> way, like how in two years they've done various things. Uh, let me just see. So, yeah, in two years they've added a motion controller. Um they yep see every angle with a more wider field of view um a ergonomic design adjustable strap it's it's it doesn't really tell me a whole lot i admit well, and, and i think that and let's be honest here the majority of people who are going to get the samsung gear have a samsung phone already and they're probably aware already of what the gear is all about. It's not really something mm. that a new user who's never really experienced, you know, Samsung well, it's good. before we go out. Mm. Because I also prefaced it in the sense of looking at phone prices, because to get the gear working, you need a phone. And I admit, I... I looked at the Galaxy S9 if you wanted to buy that SIM free. Like, these are entirely just SIM free options because I think they're more representative of the price. It's 739 for an S9. It is 609 for the S8. For the, for the cheapest Galaxy phone you could get to work, which I think is the Galaxy S6, um, without, like, I think it's Galaxy 6. I don't know if it's Edge or Without Edge. I'm sorry. But it's about 330 quid. And when you factor that in uh, to the gear, it becomes a very tough sell next to the Oculus. But I think that it also, as Alex mentioned, you probably already have a phone or you're already or you're looking for a phone. Right. You know, you want to get a new mobile phone and the VR set then doubles as a mobile phone to use. And, and but for me... Not only that, if you have a plan already with an existing carrier, the price of the phone, maybe you have a free upgrade. And the phone hmm. is not so expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe sometimes it can be a free upgrade, but you'd still... I'm using Carphone Warehouse, by the way. Um, if I was to get a new plan with the Galaxy uh, S8, I would have to pay 80 quid up front, 
then pay 30 quid a month for a plan uh but that comes with the give vr so you know what at least that <laughs> at least they threw in a 25 quid peripheral <laughs> but it does seem like the gear um the gear vr 2017 version for what is over 50 quid extra cost well extra 75 quid you're getting a motion control and that to me is a bit yeah yeah but i don't know i'm sure there are people who have looked more deep into it, who have really examined it from all the angles, and who could tell me a lot more about what the differences are. Um, I mean, and that's not just it. There's also Star VR, which is the Star Breeze uh, virtual reality. That has yet to be released, yet to even have a release date, but it's a coming. And, and they're boasting about better specs. And I'll admit, I never heard about it until we started doing research for this podcast <laughs> yeah because i remember having to talk about this uh vr headset and then say if augmented reality is more your thing you know you want to see reality but see a computer overlay google glass ar is the only one on the market right now for a whopping two thousand pounds and that to me is absolutely ludicrous but then again it's like vive oculus you have to buy a pc that works uh, with psvr you need a ps4 pro i wouldn't risk it with a normal ps4 i i mean i've heard mixed things there's some people who say that you don't need the headset don't worry you know it works fine there are some who say that the pro is kind of needed because it gives that extra hardware buff to it it's mixed messages kind well, of so makes, i could be way it off makes sense considering if you look at the specs that they require for a lot of the pc vr stuff it's not a mm. low running you know low hardware spec thing you have to have a oh, bb no. machine to be able to this stuff so it makes sense for the ps4 pro to be better equipped at it and for the normal ps4 to struggle a little bit yeah but i don't know if that is actually the case i mean it could be it might not be i'm i'm sorry guys i don't know <laughs> well here's but, a little bit of a shameless plug um if you guys want to you know let us in on the loop maybe you have a ps4 and you use the psvr Contact us at contact at gaminghistoria.com and tell us we should do more research. You know. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm looking at the specification for Skyrim VR and honestly, it's lower than I thought it would be, but it's still pretty beefy. Like, it's 8 gigabytes uh, graphics card, it's 8 gigabytes of RAM. Um, yeah, it's nothing to really sniff your. F uh it's nothing to really look down on you know those are mm. pretty heavy specs for users who might not have what can be dubbed as gaming pcs i mean i dumped a thousand i think i dumped about 1400 into my pc you know it's a fucking it's a mean machine but yeah <laughs> 
And to keep on with the price mark, when you have exclusivity as well, it is absolutely bonkers at that point. You know, you're expecting players to spend like 600, like 600 for a Vive and 400 for an Oculus. And then each one having their exclusive games because while I couldn't find any on Steam, I'm sure Oculus has its own exclusives. The Vive, I managed to find Fallout 4, Carnival Games, and the really popular Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades, all exclusive on the HTC Vive. Let me just say, I just need to throw this out there. It's a shame on Bethesda for making Fallout 4 exclusive on the HTC Vive. Because for one thing, well, shame on HTC Vive for having exclusives in that regard in the first place. Because there's two headsets on the platform. Yes, we know when you want to sell more headsets, but what the hell? People are not going to buy two headsets. Yeah. And they essentially cut their nose off to spite their face because people are not going to buy Fallout 4. And they go, oh, I don't have a HTC Vive to play this in VR, and hmm. you know, go buy uh, go buy one just for that. They're not gonna. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it's weird that you say this, because I just checked out Elder Scrolls uh, 5 Skyrim VR, and it works on the Oculus. It is just purely the Fallout 4 that you need a HTC Vive See, and do. that's really a, a strange thing for me because, okay, I have strong opinions about Skyrim being the one to have gotten VR. Personally, I think they should have done an Elder Scrolls 6 and done that with VR instead. But why make one game, one full experience from a popular series like the Elder Scrolls, non-exclusive, but then you turn around and you make Fallout Completely exclusive. That is that. That tells me somebody wasn't thinking it through. Hmm. I don't know. Um. I mean, my only idea, as someone who I admit isn't entirely clued in, is I'm. I remember hearing something about how the Vive works better in terms of movement around the sphere, like, like um. If you set up a play area, they are better at detecting movement within that area than the Oculus is. And Fallout 4 has a greater emphasis on being able to move around physically than Skyrim. I... Uh, that's my only guess, but... I don't really uh. see that, having played both. I mean... If anything... You would think that Fallout 4 would be one with, you know, more constraints on moving around because you're primarily using guns. So you can shoot things from range, not really, you know, wailing on things with a mace or whatever. Yes, there are melee weapons in Fallout 4, but the majority of things you use are firearms. Um... I don't know, it's, it's just a really odd... I mean, yeah, I mean, in another comparison, Super Hot VR, which Super Hot is very focused on being able to mm -hmm. dodge and duck and weave the bullets, 
they they're completely fine with um, Oculus. So, and that's one of the few games that I have seen for VR, as far as full experiences go, that are well loved by a lot of people. Ooh, I just noticed that there's a thing called Super Hot Mind Control Delete, mm-hmm. which is that, like a standalone expansion. That's a new, um, huh. it adds RPG elements, if you can even believe that. That's, it was strange, I watched <laughs> a video about that. Oh man, I'm going to have to check that out after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, it's just, these things happen, I just noticed things. So... Yeah, you just end up with these exclusive parts and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't and it only divides what has... The PC has kind of always been this open field of madness and you're trying to divide it and the thing is, is with the price tags as they are, your audience base is already not high and then you're further crippling yourself by sectioning them off. That makes me wonder if, say, the VR whole thing does turn out to be a fad or, you know, doesn't last long. Is this exclusivity a leading cause? Did people not embrace the platform because developers decided to support one platform over another instead of going, they're both for PC... These are games that, you know, we don't want to force our players to buy one headset or the other. Let's try and make this work on both. Yeah. Yeah. I just... mm. And with the way AR is going, taking off so well, and flawlessly. Mm. I mean, you look at the Labo. It, that that's just an impressive feat in and of itself. Uh, Pokemon Go is the same way. You know yeah. what? I mean, managing to market, making things out of cardboard. Wow. Man. Nintendo <laughs> can turn anything into gold, and they can apparently turn cardboard into gold. So hey, I'm not mad at it. Um, yeah. I'm amused as an outsider And just for the listeners at home We are planning on quite a bit of coverage On the Labo We're just in a bit of a busy spot right now So that is forthcoming Um, Yeah 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 We're not going to be talking about it here really No I admit I haven't researched the Labo So I might be way 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 off. Uh, Alex seems to have more of a grasp of what it even is. Yeah, I've been... I didn't research because we're already going to cover it elsewhere. Yeah, so. I-, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there because it does blend blur the lines of gaming and you know real world interaction in a similar way. And I think with AR taking off, if these developers A don't start figuring out what to do with the platform because it is new and the technology is new. Um, But B, if we don't start seeing some more solid, beloved titles like Super Hot VR, that's a a start in the right direction. Um, 
AR is going to overtake VR, and in, you know, two or three years, people are going to go, why did we even bother with VR? <laughs> I mean, so in a way, there are concerns about it dying, and I do start to see it myself, where at the most recent convention, uh, when I went to EJX Res, there was one year where there was... Uh, PSVR, they had a section cornered off for them, and you re- and you had to book on their website because there are so many people gunning for that place. Um, then there was the um, then there was also booths dedicated to VR, um, like five or six games dedicated to VR, and then the next year after that, uh, there were a good few booths as well, like. Less, like, I think there were, like, three, four VR games in 2017, uh, Rezzed. But they were still noteworthy. Now, I look around, and it's, like, not... There's maybe one or two, and I even noticed, um... There was one game that was exclusive to VR for a long time. I noticed people playing in a non-VR form. Like, as though it'd been ported outside of VR. And that was kind of that moment of, like, wow, like, have they not been getting the reception they really need? And are people not buying VR? Is that why the price is starting well, to drop? Um, I think that it's more of a, a situation of, People are still waiting for that one big title that's going to wow them. It's going to make them embrace the VR platform. The most I've seen out of VR recently, all of them have been PSVR related because, honestly, I think PlayStation is doing it right. They're supporting the VR platform in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that I've noticed about uh, when I was looking for earlier the Steam one is there's a lot of games where VR is optional. There is a lot of games where it's almost as though the VR... I wouldn't go as far as to call it tacked on because I do recognize that they do probably try hard, but it's almost like an additional mode (laughs) rather than its own thing. And it is going to take some time until a game developer strikes it gold on something VR heavy and it is sadly going to take that AAA guess like that and shot in the dark moment I'll, I'll and be honest and honestly I don't see it happening Sorry. yeah I mean the closest is 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 I could see star VR having one of those moments because it is being created by Star Breeze, which is a publisher, and I could see them uh, like they're a double A publisher, but I could see them being able to say, okay, we can afford a developer to make a proper real big VR game, but sadly likely exclusive. They likely will make it exclusive, and they will that if they do make it exclusive, rather than saying, look how great Star VR is, it will improve this game a ton, they'll say, okay, Star VR is the only way. Sod you guys. And, yeah. 
I think they'll screw themselves if they do it that approach. But otherwise, I think they've got potential to really pull things back. Um, no. And I think that what doesn't help... Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I do want to touch um, on the idea of optional VR. But one thing that came to mind while you were talking about that was I was very disappointed when I started watching E3 coverage last year for Final Fantasy XV. Because the game had launched successfully and they had had a whole big thing at E3 about, you know, what they were doing next. And the VR offering that they showed was not be a badass in VR, VR and, you know, fight enemies. It was, let's go fishing. <laughs> and that just, it, it irked me on a spiritual level that I can't even begin to express. <laughs> Because VR, to me, seems like a wish-fulfillment sort of situation, where you're putting yourself in the action. I have dreamed about being in a Final Fantasy game. I'm a Final Fantasy fanboy from way back. But fishing? Really? (laughs) I was just so disappointed. Sorry. So you wanted to find a new recipe? <laughs> that that is a highlight of that game. The, the recipe. Oh man! Kind of like I think that was one of the reasons why I stuck into Final Fantasy 15 a bit longer than I normally just turn it straight off because just that weird voice acting of I've discovered a new recipe, <laughs> and then there's apparently a there's a clip of the protagonist of Final Fantasy 15 uh, Noctus saying um, actually imitating him you know it's like a really nice nudge mm-hmm. um. but yeah that was a little bit of a, <laughs> but I do- a tangent sorry about that yeah sorry man um, but I do think that with VR being used as a additional option rather than a standalone, it is starting to hit a point where I think people are less convinced they need to get into it because sadly, we've seen this with the console market for about two, three generations straight. The exclusivity, the exclusives have sold the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd argue that that is a primary reason why PS4 is kicking 10 bells of shit out of uh, Xbox One. Yeah, and because of much, those exclusives. As much as I love that a lot of Xbox exclusives come out on PC, it completely negates the, er- the, the need for me to buy an Xbox system. I think makes no sense. it's because they I kind of realised they were never going to win at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just like, maybe we could at least coax people to give Windows 10 a go. Mm. And they've been doing well uh, with their you know, Windows platform. Um, or their yeah. Windows Store platform, rather. Um, mm. It's just, you know, PS4 is constantly 
upping their game. They're adding PSVR and all kinds of exclusives there. And Nintendo is doing, you know, Labo and the Switch, and they're kicking all kinds of ass. But, you know, the exclusives... Microsoft is rather sentiment. The exclusives make or break a system, like you said. Yeah. And the problem is, is when you have a lot of games where they're not exclusive to VR, when you have even the games which are that they're just tech demos, that they are just proof of concepts, that they are just mini games. I mean, um, what was that game that I tried that I really actually liked? Um, it was there, Dick Wild. Um, uh. which isn't exactly what it sounds like, yeah, Alex, so get too I excited. Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, <laughs> sounds rather saucy for, uh, <laughs> yeah, for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that? Um, oh, what's that dev's name? The guy who does uh, Gear Shift and. Um... Oh, man. oh Christ! I know who um, you're talking about, and I can't think of the name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The really uh, homoerotic games. Nah, it's like this um, survival wave-based shooter, and you are just shooting things off and it looked and it was a blast when i got to try it at ejx rest but i also have to consider that this is the type of thing i'd find as a mini game in a larger game Mm -hmm. it's not what i'd expect out of a standalone game and especially one that's 12 quid like on top 12 of, quid is still 12 quid. On top of the fact that you would need the VR platform for it. And it's just not a platform seller. Yeah, I mean, while true, I'm kind of discounting that because I'm assuming that I bought the VR headset uh, anyway. Yeah, right, rather yeah. than buying the VR headset just for Dick Wild because Dick Wild looks like a blast. I don't think Dick Wild is a VR seller. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is one. And I, I mean, the closest is, is, is the closest is, is I would argue that knockout league looks really interesting. Hot dog horseshoes and hand grenades looks really interesting from a like gun nut, uh, mm-hmm. aspect, which, Hey, that, that suits me. Like I'm, I'm the type of person to, uh, gawk at guns and be like, Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah. I, I watch um, a YouTube channel called Forgotten Weapons, mm. and they look through like historical weapons. So I could see that game clicking with me, but I still always have to ask myself: Is it something that could sell the VR? And for me, unless if I have nothing else to invest in, which come Christmas might be that situation. Well, <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um. Yeah. Let's, Sorry. let's uh, reel it back over to Bethesda for a minute, because I think Fallout 4 could have been a VR seller. But there's a couple of problems that make that niche. The first one is that it's Fallout 4. Well, I, I like <laughs> Fallout 4. I, I spent way too much time oh, fair enough. playing that game. It absorbed hours and hours of my life. Um... But mm. the VR idea behind it 
has its own set of challenges. I mean, I can play on my PS4 for as long as I want and not have any problems because I can play with a controller. Having a physical yeah. disability, I can't do that with VR. Yeah. I mean, that's also another really important factor to VR, and it's something that I always bring up with developers when I've had to... Um, when I've had to interview them, when I... Um, when I've interviewed the developers of BBQ, I think it was mm-hmm. called, and Dick Wild. Well, Dick Wild, I don't think I asked because it wasn't that important of a factor but bbq especially because you are reaching over you are actively moving and dodging and ducking weaving these bees that are trying to sting you and it's like imagine being in a wheelchair and you're doing this imagine and it's like let's take there's no point sorry sorry let's take the wheelchair out of the equation for a second just for, well, how are they going to yeah. sit? Like, how are they going to move around then? Well, okay. In my case, <laughs> I'm, that, that's exactly the point, though. I'm not always in my wheelchair. But yeah. I have range of motion in quite a few areas. I can still mm. move around. But with the VR headset, a lot of times they require you to crouch down low or yeah. quick movements. Which, that doesn't always work for me. And the limited range of movement becomes a problem. Hmm. Um, And then, in addition to that, um, because the limited range of movement even comes into play if it's just a uh, controller plus headset, because mm -hmm. you might need to turn around. And it's like, you might need to do that quickly, and how are you going to do that when your flexibility to turn around is limited? Now, if we put the wheelchair back in the equation, and you have the <laughs> VR with cords, that also makes yeah. a problem of movement, because you don't want to run over a cord and unplug it from wherever you have it, or, you know, I don't know, mm. pull your computer tower onto the floor... there's so many instances where it just isn't feasible and before anyone says well you're just knocking on VR because you're disabled and it doesn't work for you I have said the exact same I've had the exact same problems with motion controls back we and to a degree even the, the switch it's not as much of a problem on the switch but it's still an issue um so it's it's being mindful of this does not work for everyone. And it may just be that VR is not marketed to me. And that's okay. Mm. But it, people should be mindful. Totally. Um, but I think that it's like we could chase the dream all day of trying to make games accessible to everyone and like making a game that is accessible to the colorblind to blind people to 
epileptics to wheelchair-bound individuals to deaf people to and you can really go through the list and you do have to hit a point where you're just like i'm gonna have to accept that this game is not going to be accessible Mm -hmm. and if it's a planned inaccessibility i think that's okay because well you can't please everything yeah yeah and it's like you're gonna have to sadly do that but it's just when developers have to be clued in of you know your game isn't going to be accessible to these groups of people because of that design choice you've made and then they turn around and be surprised and be like oh christ you're right uh mm. it's like come on man it's your game like and, and that's the you thing. gotta examine these now, angles there are developers that i respect greatly because in reviewing their games or playing their games in my free time you find little things like a colorblind mode or some sort of text magnification mode for people who can't see as well. Um, you know, all of these things that they thought about, the fact that they just thought about it, even though I don't have a lot of those problems, it shows that they are trying. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, they do need to at least try or just keep these things in mind when um because it doesn't just hurt the people who can't access those games it hurts the developers and publishers who are then looking at the screen and be like why is our game not selling Mm -hmm. and then they find out that all these groups of people who can't touch their game because they've just made it inaccessible to them and then they realize that actually by making it accessible, you do reach out to more people. And what about people in their core audience who maybe get into a car accident and lose, you know, the ability to freely move, maybe due to paralysis or, you know, a variety of other problems. You know, those people still matter through no fault of their own life happens so the effort is what matters it's not necessarily you have to please everyone it's just give a little bit of thought about it (laughs) yeah totally just think about it um but talking about this general subject there is also another area of inaccessibility which is illness and it is one of the factors in why I think that augmented reality is outstripping virtual reality. That people aren't getting ill from augmented reality, except maybe the occasional headache from 3D mode because that f- goddamn 3D part. But it's like people have felt headaches, they've felt motion sickness. In my yeah, nausea, nausea as well. In my very particular bizarre circumstance, and I've never heard anyone else talk about this, and I've never... This is unlike anything else, but uh, when I played The Assembly in Egypt's Res a few years back, I walked away with a sense of dissociation, like a sense that... Like... 
a lack of reality like everything didn't feel quite real and it took about 15 20 minutes for that sensation to pass and for me it's like if i'm the only one that's kind of okay but i also have to keep in mind that if others are uh experiencing this type of sensation and it does hit a point where they lose track of reality like it gets it's exacerbated you could even in the worst case scenarios could trigger a psychosis you know and yeah things like that and there's not really a um help in sight you know um the dissociation is just i'm the only one who has noticed this so it could be nothing honestly but headaches motion sickness nausea we're still tackling this there are developers who have done amazing things to find ways to um make people feel less motion uh nausea like for instance um changing how movement is done like because a lot of it does come from that disconnect from what they feel uh in their body and what they're seeing uh another example i'd heard was they'd put a fake nose in so you can kind of see a nose on the camera yeah like there are a few one or two developers i heard did that and found out it helped and it is all about trying to make the body sensation uh cue into what you're seeing and i think that it's only once we mount that we'll finally get vr to really explode at least in the sense of the lack of illness the uh, realism of what you're doing the increased interactivity and you know what there are developers who have tried to increase this through things like peripherals and but, there are stories all over the internet if you start researching VR these claims of illness and all the different issues are all over the internet this isn't isolated cases this is a rampant problem that hmm. while we're still working on it, we quite haven't quite figured out how to solve it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like we, um, I mean, peripherals. Some people are trying peripherals, and that might help. Like there was a treadmill that I tried at a convention a while ago, and uh, it went some way, but. There were still noticeable weaknesses when I was trying that treadmill. Um, I still felt a bit dis... Sorry. <laughs> I still felt a bit like this isn't actually... This feels weird. Like Because how this treadmill worked is you would just like scrape your feet across the floor in the direction you want to go. And that isn't how movement works right. people don't people don't scuff their feet across the floor to get to places um not unless you're people, trying to cause some severe static problems and probably rug burn on your feet yeah 
if you hate your shoes so much and you just want to ruin them yeah you know. but in this case it was like you were scraping your feet across the floor and it wasn't it felt off in that way um there will probably also be peripherals um you know like I mean, we ask peripherals. I mean, like having like a fake gun that you can put the controllers in, and it feels like a real gun. You know, mm-hmm. all these peripherals might help with that headache, motion sickness, nausea, yeah, thing feel. But I've yet to see a peripheral where I've looked at them and be like, "Yes, this is part of the future. This is." definitely the direction that um, VR is going to take like that inspirational kind of feel like I in fact I've not really felt like in terms of VR games like I've not looked at VR game and thought yes this is how we're going to do this the closest was there was a PR PSVR title um, with mech bots and you were in an arena mm-hmm. And it was like, I could see this actually being part of the future because it it took advantage of the fact that you weren't really moving because in uh, because you're in a mech, you're not moving with your feet, you're moving with the controls mm-hmm. on in your HUD. So it doesn't make sense to have to move with your feet. So it comes across that problem. Right. And it also comes across the headache motion sickness because you're not meant to be moving with your feet. Your character's not moving with their feet. They're just sat in a, um, in a pot, right. uh, moving about trying to, and I think it was like a basketball esque thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Oh Christ! What's it called? Um, oh, it was that um, rugby-like game mm. uh, for the PS One, where you were just capturing a ball and trying to get in the net while attacking other players, and that was probably the closest to a PSVR title where I thought, yes, like this could be something this could be something really special like if someone makes a mech game a proper one not that trashy uh connect one that never goddamn worked but a proper mech game where you could customize your mech and outfit it out and then you go in the vr mode and you actually fight it out in missions and things like that that could be a very strong avenue because you avoid all the illness you Mm -hmm. attach some realism to it um and plus uh, there are many mech fans out there there are so many clamoring for such a title one of my original like loves of things mech related was xenogears which i'm sure most of our younger audience probably has no idea what that is but you know. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the cue for you to explain what Xenogears it, is. <laughs> it's, it's basically a classic RPG focused around 
gears, which are basically Gundams, mechs, whatever you want to call them. Um, and it had a really great combo-based system where there was, you know, you had weapons involved and everything, but you could fight other, you know, enemies and issue these combos, and it felt really great, and the story was fantastic. It was mech gaming done well in an RPG setting. I don't necessarily know that I've seen any other RPGs like it that have done the mech thing so well. Um, a more recent example would be Xenosaga, which is related to those games, but separating it out from that set, I don't think I've ever seen it happen again. I mean, in fact, there is one... Uh, I mean, while we're on that subject, I think there is one developer who could pull it off, who could... While we're on the subject of mech games anyway... Mm -hmm who I think could revitalize the VR sphere, could bring a lot of people to the table into mech and just sell it, like sell the goddamn peripheral. And that's from software. Okay. Because before Dark Souls, yeah. they also did a series called Armored Core. Are they the ones for... Oh my god. I did not know that. Yeah, so... You imagine a new Armored Core game where you are designing a mech because designing a mech was part of the original Armored mm -hmm. Core gameplay. I remember playing the demo of the fantastic. PS1 Armored Core. Those yeah. And you imagine that with VR by developers who have been making these Dark Souls games and brought a lot of people into that fold. Then you get some really cool things going on. That, that, that blows my mind. Man, I, I learn something new every day. Jeez. <laughs> Talk about cognitive but, dissonance, too. I've spent so much time ragging on From Software for Dark Souls. <laughs> Newsflash, I'm not a fan. Uh, but I actually like Armored Core. So that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're just... They, they are the primary developer and publisher. You know, they're not just publishing this stuff out like Verdict Day, which is the last Armored Core game. Right. Was developed by by From Software. Um, I think they actually mentioned who the designer was as well. No, they don't. Um, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, they they could bring it back. They could fix things. <laughs> Go on from Sefway. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, like, <laughs> prove me wrong that all you can do is brutally hard games with crappy controls. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? Oops. Uh, <sighs> well, that's heretical. <laughs> just, just a liar. But, I bet you'd really love Bloodborne as well. You know, I've been told... <laughs> I've been told that I should try Bloodborne because Dark Souls is not my thing. Um, I just yeah. haven't managed to, to bring myself to do it. It's just not. I just haven't. Yeah. But everybody has said the combat's a bit more fast-paced and um, mm. more palatable. It's, yeah, I mean, a lot of people I've spoken with with regards to things like Bloodborne... Um, They've all 
it's always been considered as a good entry into the Dark Souls era mm-hmm. because it is more friendly in being more action orientated. While Dark Souls, you really have to take your time, pick your shots, things like that. Bloodborne has a lot of mechanics going on for it where they do encourage a very aggressive gameplay style. Like, if you get hit, there's a limited amount of time where if you hit him back, you get a part of your health See, back. and I have played games recently like that. Dead Cells, which is a fantastic indie game that is often compared to Dark Souls by the developers themselves, um, is actually quite fabulous. I quite enjoy it. Um, so, I mean... The formula itself is not terrible, but I just didn't have a good experience with Dark Souls itself. Uh, oh, and guess what, Alex? Mm-hmm. Guess what's on sale? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bloodborne Game of the Year Edition is on sale 60% really? off. Really? Yep. And that gives you the single DLC that they ever did for um, Bloodborne, which is the old hunters. As popular as it was, I'm surprised it only got one DLC. Nah, I I think it makes a lot of sense because I think that I don't think they wanted to swarm the story because it's kind of the problem with DLC. I found about things like Dark Souls and Bloodborne and things like that is their story is already self-contained. Yeah. That's and what I've heard. they are apocal—and apocalyptic enough that there's nothing more once you complete the game. It's not like, say, Yakuza 0, where you could easily just tack on an adventure where you find something out. It's like they're very tightly written mm-hmm. and they're very tightly made. And, yeah, that's it. Like, um, Also, Bloodborne... Another bonus about that over Dark Souls I found, and I really dig that they're putting this in the remastered version, is you can password, um, like, summoning people. Yeah, they So you could summon specifically your friend. They've refined the multiplayer quite a bit. Yeah. So in Bloodborne, you can specifically summon your friend. Mm. Um, so... And, I, and it's global. So, you know what? Fuck it. If you get Bloodborne and you want me to help out and I've got a day off, then <laughs> yeah, I can do that. I could see us doing that. But I yeah. have to say... I mean, have, my ex... We have gotten way sorry. off topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there was a, a VR thing we were meant to be talking about. I don't yeah. remember now. <laughs> do, we, do we have anything else in your notes that you need to cover? No, we, we hit all the points uh definition all the vrs exclusivity price tag games often tech demos blah 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 illnesses is vr dying and peripherals like a treadmill so no i think we've hit all the (laughs) all right then i think i'm going to just throw our viewers another uh shout out here to say thank you for watching and if you like what you've heard um Contact us and give us your feedback at contact at gaminghistory.com. We're on um, Patreon right now. We're doing stuff at gaminghistory.com all the time. And um, we've also gotten a Humble Bundle slash Humble Partner uh, affiliate thing. So you guys can support us that way too if you'd like. 
any anything helps, and we would greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be uh, working on a new podcast myself. So any advice people throw out, I'll listen and take notice for when I really start getting that podcast going. It's probably going to be another month or two because um, there's going to be what's called buffer episodes where it's just basically um, I'll do like a few weeks in advance and then slowly work along that because that way if i'm busy with say egx in september oh, then i still have an episode that'll be cool i'm excited to see your uh your new series well i'm hoping it'll be good but i'm not gonna guarantee anything <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so yeah thank you for listening and I hope you have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you yeah, are. Have a good evening, guys. Or morning. All right. Have a good day. <laughs>